0: That ball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I'll never find out what he could really do. I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him—the real sad ones—they sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god, just for a few moments. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Hopefully you're listening to this on Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. That's all one word: Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. dot We are also on Spreaker, and within the summary of this show that we're getting ready to uh, do today, uh, I will also put the Spreaker link. Also, uh, you can also go to hoosierhysteria.net and listen. Um, if you are on Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. Podbean. you can also uh, thumb through. Over 160 interviews of Indiana high school basketball greats, uh, Coach Katie, Coach Dean Katie, Rick Mount, Kent Benson, the list goes on and on. If you if you played, coached, officiated, or, or just had a special um, uh, relationship with a game of basketball, you'll find something on there you'll be able to listen to and download and listen at your leisure. Um, so this upcoming basketball season in Indiana High School basketball, 2019-2020, is a special one, especially for the Lagodie Lions. And that is their 50th anniversary of going to the Final Four at, I'm assuming, I think it was still Butler Fieldhouse at the time before they changed it to Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, and um, I'm interviewing a few players from that team. Uh, and one of those players, well, he was a manager at the time and then played the following year, so the team must have been really stacked, is John Olson. John, thank you for taking some time out of your busy day to help keep the nostalgia alive and, and talk about your basketball career and your passion for the game. Uh, we appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Billy. Glad to be on.
0: So so tell us a little bit about where you were born and raised, brothers and sisters. Did your mom and dad play basketball, and when were you first introduced to this game?
1: I am uh, a stranger in a strange land where basketball is concerned. I was born in upstate New York near Buffalo, uh, moved to Indiana when I was three, four years old. Um, I don't believe that my parents played any team sports. I like to say that my, for my dad, a team sport was two people fishing. Uh, <laughs> I first ran into basketball as a first grader at Ligoti Elementary School. Uh, An interesting thing about that was probably three-quarters of the kids I started school with, I went to school through 12th grade. Um, not much moving in and out. Uh, had some native Hoosiers in that class, and they, they, they were playing some basketball. Um, I can clearly remember not knowing any of the rules of the game, Um, In fact, some of the guys in my class, um, you know, starting out, had uh, older siblings who play. And just to give you an example of uh, things I I didn't understand about basketball, I couldn't understand why we played the same, that the high school team played the same uh, opponent all the time. They played um, a place called VAR City. VAR City's playing tonight. We're playing VAR City. I'm going to the VAR City game. (laughs) I didn't realize it was the VAR City game. (laughs) so yeah uh i remember playing on the playground once and a friend of mine uh was i had the ball uh, i was probably a fourth or fifth grader he was jumping up and down on defense kind of like a monkey and so i jumped up and down a couple times with the ball and they called travel on me i had no one i had no idea that 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 was a rule so uh had uh have an older sister um Didn't didn't play any sports. An older brother who uh, ran track, and uh, a younger sister who wasn't in in sports. Uh, And I would say that sports had the right place in our family. Uh, I didn't get any break because I was you know as in sports. If I didn't get things done, um, there was always I would say not a threat. There was always the promise that if you don't keep your grades, you don't do this, that, or the other. You're going to miss practice. You're going to you know so. Um, that was kind of my 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 biological family background. but I grew up across the street from Rex Sager. Rex Sager is a year older than me, was a starter on that uh, nineteen seventy final four team, played four years of college basketball. Um, he was quite probably a head taller than everybody in his class all the way through school. Uh, and he became my, I guess you would say sports brother. He was better at everything. He was, he was a catcher in baseball, uh, center on the basketball team. Um, he, 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 he was really more of my, my, my doorway into sports than anybody else. And then, you know, as I got into junior high, um, I started playing basketball. In fact, I kind of laugh. My, my kids started playing basketball in kindergarten, uh, at Ligoti at the time basketball started in seventh grade. Uh, they did reach down and picked out four fourth or excuse me, four sixth graders when I was a sixth grader. And I was one of them. The other three had played basketball a lot, had siblings who played. Um, I think they picked me because I could take instruction. I had good hands. I was well-coordinated. um, and we played, you know, so I played two years of seventh grade basketball, sixth grader and seventh grader, uh, and then um, played up until uh, I, I wasn't going to be good enough to play my junior year, which you alluded to. You know, I, I was a manager on the, the 70 team and a, a player on the 71. So that's the long answer to your question about some background.
0: Well, it was a loaded question. It was a long question also. So uh, did you have – was baseball one of your sports that you liked to play before kind of getting uh, uh, basketball underneath your belt?
1: Well, you know, I, I think I uh, – I would say I'm a so-so athlete, but I think I may have ten varsity letters. Uh, track. We had a no-cut no cut track, no-cut tr- cross-country. So I was a runt, Billy. When I, I was about five two or five four, when I was a freshman in high school, weighed a hundred and uh, hundred and two pounds. The only thing that that might predict some size, <laughs> I think. I think my shoe size was size twelve or thirteen at the time. You know, uh, I think my legs got strong just by lifting those heavy shoes with every step. Um, but since we had no cut track and cross country, uh, I participated in those. You know, uh, I wasn't. the the, the slowest at the distances, but that's where, that's where freshmen, you know, freshmen got stuck if they didn't have a specialty. So you got to walk before you run and run before you do anything else. And I, I really got my start in sports. I think in track and cross country, although I did play freshman baseball, um, I'll tell you the kind of baseball player I was. I didn't, didn't, uh, I don't believe we had a JV team. Um, I don't even know if we have a freshman team. But just to give you the idea, I didn't start. When I would get up to bat, I'd step out of the box. I'd look down at third base. They'd give me the take sign, strike one. Step out of the box, look down at third base. They'd give me the take sign, strike two. I'm not sure they didn't give me the take sign on the third strike, too. <laughs> you know, so baseball baseball wasn't going to be uh, in, in, in my future. So I think I just had one letter in that, but I believe I may have lettered four years in track and in cross country and eventually uh, became our second best cross country runner behind tony smith uh who was a starter on the 1970 team starting guard uh second best cross country runner to him and in track i was probably the second highest um point point winner um i high jumped i long jumped and uh and i've run two races either the mile and the Uh, mile relay or you know or the 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 uh, 880 yard and the the the, and the mile relay Um, basketball I played um, I played freshman ball somewhere really early in the freshman season somebody on the JV flunked off so I moved up to the JV (laughs)
0: uh,
1: played played when I and when I say played uh, I was a I I Worked hard in practice. I wasn't a particularly good player. If enough people were sick, I might get a start. But for the most part, my so- my my freshman and sophomore years, I didn't play a lot of JV. I just I was on the team. Uh, I guess to, to to jump into that 1970 season in my part of it, after my sophomore year in high school or late that year, I should explain that Lagodi was the smallest town in Indiana to have two. Indiana High School Athletic Association uh, sanctioned basketball programs or basketball schools. Ligoti Ligoti was a town of about 2,500. Ligoti St. John's, a Catholic school, was an IHSAA school, and Ligoti High School, or the public school, we we, we each had basketball programs. Uh, St. John's, I believe, in the 68-69 season I believe, had an undefeated regular season and had a kid who went on to play for Bob Knight at Army and John O'Malley. Jack Trout played college ball. They had a really, uh, a really good team. And Lagodi had a good team. Rex Sager, uh, I've mentioned before, was going to be a college player. Tony Smith played in college. Brian Canada, uh, Lagodi's all-time leading scorer still, uh, um, played in college. So there were two really good teams, and late my sophomore year, Lagodi St. John's High School burned down. Um, there may be some factual inaccuracy, but I'm not lying. I've just forgotten. They burned down, and I believe by this time uh, the public school had moved into a new building. And I believe St. John's may have moved into the old Lagodi High School. That school burned down. So there was a small stretch, probably in late nineteen or excuse me, in early 1969, in the spring. I think where there were two schools under one roof. I believe that St. John's and Ligoti public school were both in the new high school building, but totally separate. We didn't integrate the classes because it was too late in the school year. So I'm looking forward to my junior year where I might get some, uh, so I should make the varsity typically at Ligoti, If you didn't make the varsity your junior year, you were cut. If you weren't good enough to play as a junior or make the team, you were cut. So all of a sudden, I've got a lot of kids coming from St. John's to compete with. Uh, and the only way I could see that I would make the 1969, 1970 Ligoti high school basketball team was as a manager. So that's what I did. I told the coaches I was going to be a manager. Nobody said, Oh no, no, you'll make the varsity. You'll, you'll play, you know? So I was, I was a manager that, that year. Uh, from time to time, if there weren't enough players to uh, practice as a JV, and when I say from time to time, I'm going to guess maybe ten times total in the season, I dressed and I I practiced, played defense uh, with with the JV when they practiced, but otherwise I was washing jocks and picking up towels and getting water and and cleaning. Oh my gosh, cleaning basketballs! Uh, I don't know how our basketballs got so dirty, but it seemed like Coach Butcher anytime. He saw us, you know, kidding around or just standing. We ended up cleaning basketballs. So that that that's kind of how I got on the 1970 team as a manager. You know, I, I think you're
0: probably my seventh or eighth Lagodi Lion that I've got to chat with. Bill Butcher, um, Junior G. Um, you know, the list goes on. And you know, every time they've talked about the burning down of the St. John School, and then of course. Uh, the other school and I've never asked this question was there what was behind that was it was it both accidental fires?
1: as far as I know it, it doesn't, you, you you don't have to look far to find a conspiracy theorist you know <laughs> that they that they you know that, that the fires were set intensely, especially the second one uh, because St John's had no place to go and they were in a building that we just the public school just vacated because it was out of date. Uh, so I, I've, I've certainly heard that, 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 you know, it may have been intentional, but, uh, I'm just, I, I've, I've never gone there. You know, it, it just, they seemed like accidents to me. Um, one of the things I'll tell you, and I'm going to use Rex Sager and Jim Trout. Jim Trout was, um, he was, he was a really good player at Ligoti or at at St. John's, uh, would have been their star. In 1969-1970, Rex Sager, uh, Jim Trout was about six six. Rex Sager six five, uh, heavier built, more rugged player, uh, would have been Lagudi star um, in the 1969-70 n- for Lagodi Public School. So you've got, uh, if you want to look at it this way, you've got forced integration, forced by fire. You've got the Catholic school and the public school are forced together, and Rex and Jim. Uh, and I don't know that they consciously took on this role, and it may be just me looking at it this way, they became the symbol for how those two schools were going to come together, and in a sense, how two parts of town would come together. The people who supported the public school and the people who supported the the private school, the Catholic school. From my perspective, it couldn't have gone better. Uh, I didn't see any jealousy or rivalry between those two rex played under the basket jim played a little farther away statistically jim had a better year uh had rex not been there statistically i don't think jim would have had as good a year because if someone came out to guard jim he would dump it off the rex and rex had made you know the drop step move and and layups and short shots all his life uh rebounded so on and so forth so uh as soon as as soon as basketball practice started um something good was happening and once the team started winning uh well, we're talking about Indiana basketball we're talking about the movie Hoosiers about 15 years later you know it was it was that way everything shut down for the ball games we had a tremendous following at home and on the road and i always look at those two guys as Kind of the 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 face of that team. They were the most prominent seniors. We still had Brian Canada, who was a sophomore that year, who was the all time you know all time leading scorer. I believe Jim Trout was a leading scorer that particular year. We had Tony Smith, who was the one to go on to college, and was uh, uh, I would say the team leader the next year. But. I, however those 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 buildings burned and those schools came together I think you can look back at Jim Trout and and Rex Sager as two people who shaped the future of a school a program and a and a town.
0: You know I don't think that I would be doing what I'm doing now if I wasn't a manager at Broderpool High School. And, you know, uh, I wasn't a very good basketball player, but I just had a passion for the game. And I was like a sponge. Did you, did you feel like you got a, I mean, what was your mentality like? Did you feel like you were a sponge, you know, that uh, 69, 70 season? Did you, uh, and also too, did you, uh, I'm making another long question for you. Did you feel like, you know, I have to take everything in because I'm going to play the following year?
1: Uh, I would say, then, and looking back in retrospect, I think I am accurate saying this, that I was about as dumb as a rock. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I, 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 I followed. That was, you know, that was the good thing about being a, a guy on the end of the bench. Um, coach told me to do something, and I did it. Uh, I didn't have parents. Well. I didn't have parents that interfered in any way, shape, or form. They didn't complain about playing time. They didn't talk to the coach uh, about anything. I just did you know, what was expected. I went on to play um, a year of college basketball in the Big Ten as a walk-on uh, with a coach who really um, stressed the mental part of the game uh, probably five or six years after that, so now I'm uh, – in my early twenties, well, let's say go to the mid twenties, I remember playing a pickup game one day, Billy. I was playing against a guy that I knew well. If he got the ball underneath the basket, he was going to score. So I had to deny him the ball, and all of a sudden, I realized everything that was going around me in in I can tell you the gym, I can tell you the basket, but just in great detail. I saw the somebody with the ball. I knew where the next pass was going, and all of a sudden I thought, this is what Coach Butcher in high school was talking about all the time. This is what the coach in college was talking about all the time. You know, mentally, I, it took me a long time to, uh, to, to get what a lot of other players – you know, Tony Smith, our point guard, uh, he could bring the ball down the court and, and, and probably had that clarity for years and made decisions – you know, right then, things that, that I I didn't reach that level of thought. until I was in my mid twenties. I would I would say. I in fact I'll I'll tell you. Um, we used to videotape games, and we videotaped some uh, some B team games. I've used junior varsity earlier, but we called it the B team because it definitely was. So there was we were, I, I, when we ran a play, I ran to play. Okay, so guard brings it down. I pop out from the from the block to the wing. They passed me the ball. I don't know if my defensive man died, went to get popcorn or whatever, but I have a clear lane to the basket. I'm 15 feet out. There's nobody between me and the basket. So, of course, I made the next pass in the offense. Everybody laughed because this is what you want. You want to be wide open. I could have dribbled in for a layup. But for me, you're in there to run, especially during garbage time when I got in. You were in there to run the offense. You had plenty of guys who would freelance and shoot, so I made the next pass. So I was just a rigid step-by-step-by-step. By step by step. Now, looking back, uh, I learned a lot of the mental lessons. I learned about you know uh, mental discipline and what, what the coaches were trying to get through. I, tr- I, I benefit tremendously from basketball, but more later and off the court and the mental aspects than I did from um while I was playing, if if that makes sense, Oh, that makes total sense.
0: On your way to Lagodi, your freshman year, did you was there already a um, a, a, um, a status for Coach Butcher? Did you did you know what you were getting into? Had you met him before? Did you go to a lot of the games before you actually even got to uh, Lagodi High School?
1: Yeah, I, I went to games in junior high because they they were social events. Uh, I, I certainly watched the games, but they were more, you know, we, we were in a, in a gym quite like the, some of the ones depicted in Hoosiers. Um, the bleachers came down so close to the sideline that, that if you're, you had size 12 or larger shoes, you had to turn your shoes sideways to be able to keep out of bounds, throw the ball in because your heels were against the, the bleachers and your toes would have been on the sideline. So, the high school kids were downstairs. There was a balcony around three sides of the gym uh, upstairs. And that's where the junior high kids were. And especially there was a high set of bleachers. So yeah, I, I went to the ball games. Uh, we knew, you know, lagodi was successful al- already. It Ligoti had been successful. Uh, I'm going to say with J- coach butcher as a coach. Uh, he was a, he was a very good, uh, high school basketball player. He played in college at Memphis state. um, in those days, there was a uh, the National Invitation Tournament. The NCAA didn't have a postseason tournament. The NIT was the big tournament, and I believe Memphis State went to the Final Four in Madison Square Garden. Coach Butcher was drafted by the Celtics, uh, but he was also drafted by the U.S. Army, and you can kind of guess where that one went. Uh, so Coach Butcher was a great player and came back to coach, so I think there were great expectations. But the first ball player I remember hearing about was Junior G. Uh, Junior G, by the way, in the 1968-69 season was the coach at St. John's. And it was interesting that as small as our town was, 2,500 people, St. John's and the public school, we did not play each other in the regular season. Interesting. Uh, Ponder on that however you want. But we, we didn't, you know, we didn't play each other. So Junior G was ahead of his time, dribbled between the legs, dribbled behind the back, uh, made what most coaches at the time would have considered, uh, fundamentally unsound passes, except that the passes got where they were supposed to get. And I think, you know, I think for Coach Butcher, it became this, this guy, uh, was extremely talented. Uh, so yeah, there, there were, you know, Ligoti always had winning records. Uh, Ligoti won sectionals, but uh, Ligoti had never won a regional going into that 69-70 season, partly because Washington, Indiana was 15 miles away. Washington had a much bigger school. Uh, We couldn't, we couldn't, we, we could get out of the Washington sectional but that was, uh, I think, fairly rare. Then we would go on to the regional, and there were e- even bigger teams. It wasn't until 69-70 that Lagodi won their first regional under Coach Butcher. So the expectations were always were 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 high, um, and and tell you the truth, the expectations were high for the 69-70 team even before the the the, the fires forced uh, St. John's to add to the team.
0: Was it? was was it all lagodi that was going on in your mind as a child that age in basketball or were did you kind of step back and um were you a fan or what was going on in the rest of the state with uh Indiana high school basketball
1: um i i would say that that our our interest and i'm saying this for the team uh didn't go didn't go past our opponents or you know our conference it, it wouldn't be unusual if we had a chance to, uh, if, if we if, if we played a Friday night and uh, a future opponent played a Saturday, we we'd go to the Saturday you know Saturday game to see a future opponent. First time I drove a car, uh, got my license and drove a car out of town. Uh, Tony Smith and Rex Arvin, who was a good friend of mine and a, a also a, a what I call a deep sub, a, a eight nine ten eleven twelve man on the bench. The three of us drove to Worthington to see Worthington play. Somebody we were going to play down the road. That was my first time driving out of town. So we didn't – our interest didn't go much beyond who was playing in our little area. And you got to remember, uh, Ligoti was one of the first schools to consolidate in, uh, in, in 70, 69, 70, 71, right along there um, – there were a zillion little towns. So, you know, we, we didn't play any farther away than maybe 25 miles away. Um, it, it wasn't like, you know, um, my son played in, in Terre Haute and, uh, Terre Haute played, uh, a hundred miles away in uh, in Evansville and 70 miles away in Indianapolis and traveled all over to find another school as big as they were. We didn't have any trouble finding, uh, comparable competition. So, um, you know, it, it, as, as the team, um, progressed through the tournament, uh, yeah, then we took interest. We didn't have any idea, um, what, uh, let's see what, what Seymour had going into the semi-state, but by the time they were playing Seymour, we knew they were undefeated and, and, uh, ranked second in the state. When they played in the state finals, they knew that Carmel, our, our opponent, uh, had a guy who was certainly going to be Mr. Basketball in David Shepard, uh, so no our we were we were we were fans uh of, of Lagoti, and we had an interest in in our conference and our opponents and I would say that was about it uh,
0: at the beginning of that sixty nine seventy season you know as a junior did you did you foresee or think how good you guys were, would become or did you see the success or even going to the final four uh that year
1: well, not the final four uh you got to understand, that, uh, and this is just demographics. Uh, Town the size of Ligota, you're not going to have. Uh, I think 6'3", feet three inches, I believe, is about the ninety fifth or 97th percentile in height. <laughs> uh, if you had, we had Rex Sager, we had a guy that was six five. that was unusual, and then we had Brian Canada, who was six two. So, oh my gosh, we've got we've got two big guys. Well, we had Jim Trout who's six six, and all of a sudden, if you look at the successful small high school teams, and I'm going to say Southern Indiana, they had big kids. It just happened, you know, that 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 was a year that they had one or two big kids. So that that was really uh, uh, that portended uh, great things. Uh, that we had guards, you know, experienced guards, and Tony Smith and, and Paul Bruner coming back, you know, that was positive. We had a six-three kid, Mike Lannon, uh, on the bench. Um, we had probably Bernie Nante was was over six feet. So we had physically one of the biggest teams that you know that that you could imagine. It wasn't in, until they started winning and winning and winning and winning. Uh, they were twenty-four and four. So going into their the the the, the state finals, you know, you, you you win one, you win eight out of every nine games. Yeah, well, you know. That gives you an idea that you're pretty good. Then you win your first regional, that gives you an idea that you're you're, you're pretty good. Uh, it it just kind of by that time there wasn't uh, by the time they went to the summer state, there really wasn't time to stand back and look. It was the next opponent was coming up. Uh, everybody wanted to to talk to the players. Uh, it, it just the the hoopla involved was was tremendous. So uh, now, Coach Butcher had the ability to see several quarters ahead in a game, several games ahead in the season, and he could probably see several seasons ahead in a kid's career. So if you asked him the same question, uh, he he might, if, if he wasn't being overly modest, I don't know that he would say some state but I would think that he felt that he had a, a real good chance of winning his first regional. He's just too smart to have not thought that.
0: And tell us from the manager's perspective what kind of uh, and a player's perspective what kind of support system did you guys have tell us a little bit about uh, your fan base and everybody that supported you was it you know uh, was it you understand my question
1: oh yeah I, I definitely well I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comparison to when uh, my my wife grew up about seven miles away from Ligoti and went to another small school, Bar Reef High School, which probably has the, one of the premier Class A programs now. Uh, when she and I moved to Terre Haute, just because we were both had been basketball fans, we went to one of the big high schools in Terre Haute to watch a game, and we were surprised that the gym was half full. Then we started asking people around us about the various players who were out on the floor, and they didn't know the players. And that was that the gyms weren't full and that you weren't on a first name basis with the players. We knew we weren't in Kansas anymore. You know, it was a real different environment for us. the was so small. Everybody knew everybody, you know, the players didn't get in trouble because somebody was going to see them get in trouble. Uh, the player's success. That was the town success. Uh, the player got hurt. The town, the town got hurt. So the, the, you know, look, uh, Basketball was the number one, uh, entertainment and diversion in Lagoti, I would say. And so the town was 100% behind the kids, and the kids were good kids. They liked the kids. They were leaders. They were popular. You know, if a kid was a rat playing basketball at Lagoti, they probably didn't play basketball at Lagoti for very long. They, they, you know, they, they dropped out. So, uh, fan support was tremendous. You know, we had just, uh, moved into a, a, a new gymnasium. Um, one of the last of its kind, which is uh, um, the the top of the bleachers are at ground level. It's a bowl, and the gymnasium is is, is built. Uh, the, the gym floor is I don't know how many feet below ground level. Uh, it was a cheaper way to build a gym, and that's uh, that's why it was built that way. Uh, somebody somebody told me recently, but um, we had everything we needed, you know, uh, from the athletic. Well, we had tremendous athletic department support. And I don't know if Coach Butcher, the basketball coach, was athletic director then, but eventually he became athletic director. Um, so we had, you know, we had it, it, tremendous support, uh, tremendous community community support, uh, pictures of the of the ball players and uh, pictures of the team in, in business windows. When the uh, they, they went to the sectional, you know, there were grease paint signs in all the windows, Go Lions, on and on and on. Uh, and it just built and built and built as they progressed through the tournament. So um, it was a rare person who didn't didn't know much or have much interest in Indiana uh, in Lagudi basketball. And I will say that my dad was one of those rare people. Uh, he grew up in, in in the Northwoods in northern Wisconsin. Uh, didn't under didn't didn't get the Hoosier hysteria. Um, I'm not sure he came to my games when he was when I was a senior and was playing, and that certainly wouldn't have been lack of interest in what I was doing. It just was not an activity uh, that was. It wasn't life and death to him like it, it was to to a lot of people, um, but but otherwise, you know, just just tremendous community support. That's, and that's the short answer, Billy. <laughs> in, in sixty-nine, seventy, you guys are getting ready to uh,
0: start the tournament. Um, uh, uh, as a manager, do you step back and do you remember and have great memories of getting to that final four? Are there any stories that stick out to you um, and, and, and share with us?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the first story. And I recently talked to Tony Smith about this uh, and to uh, Wayne Flick who was a freshman, I believe, at the time. Uh, no, he may have been an eighth grader at the time. Uh, and so my facts aren't, aren't 100% accurate on this, but one of the things I remember is going into the, into the tournament, coaches submitted a roster. Uh, you had 12 players, and they were your 12 best players. Uh, if I remember correctly, there was a senior... Uh, I'm going to name names and and he'll forgive me if I'm inaccurate, but Richie Arvin was a senior, not particularly, it wasn't tall. Uh, There was a, there was a a younger player uh, who probably played up varsity. Some, I think anyway, I don't think Richie made the, um, the sectional roster. And I think there was a little discontent. I, I think some of the other senior players, especially Richie was a senior he didn't he didn't play on the sectional team i don't believe uh a younger more talented legitimately more talented kid took his place i don't know what happened i don't know if there's an injury or what happened but richie was back on the team for the regional semi-state and state final so that was my my first my first memory was um getting the roster back to the way it it should have been uh so I've had several, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I looked at a picture uh, after I talked to Tony Smith a couple of months ago. Uh, my memory may be totally off, but that that was the first memory. So we win the sectional. You know, in those days, there wasn't the strict 180 days of school. You win the sectional, you get, well, you win the sectional, you come straight back from the gym at Washington to the gym at Lagodi and there's a, a huge rally. This is going to be, by this time, 9.30, 10 at night, didn't matter what time it was, the whole town shows up. Uh, all the fans show up. And the, the players and the coach, uh, they all take the, the microphone. Uh, everybody cheers, whatever they say. And then the superintendent or the uh, principal of the high school says, no school on Monday. That was a celebration, all right? Of course, the, the team starts, you know, right back to practice Monday. Uh, practice is all through the week. When the regional, come back from Washington, which is where the regional was held, I believe, uh, no, school on, uh, no school on Monday again. When the, the semi-state, uh, that was played in Evansville. And uh, I, I can't imagine that we got back to the gym before 11 o'clock at night, maybe even closer to midnight. The gym is packed with people, the fans, students. Uh, it was either two days off or three days off of school. <laughs> by this time, um, when Lagodi won the the semi-state, they won by two points. They beat the number two ranked Seymour Owls. Uh, Seymour was undefeated. There were state media outlets that uh, that uh, my understanding was said that they uh, uh, would say, uh, "Well, we have a score here, but we don't know that it's correct. It shows Little Lagodi upsetting." number two ranked seymour we'll have to get back and, and verify that score uh it was such an upset that uh, uh i remember there's a headline lagoo who l-o-g-o-o-w-h-o <laughs> not lagoti but lagoo who beats beats seymour by that time then the press descends uh yeah, we're we're a, a a rural community, but I think I, I, I counted up once, I think of the 12 players on the team, there were 3 who lived on, actually lived on farms. But of course the press has to play that up and show Smitty with one of his cows and, you know, uh emphasize the whole, you know, rural aspect of lagoti where uh Carmel of course is probably the most affluent city in uh in Indiana and probably was then. The joke uh back in those days was a, a kid from Carmel got grounded by having the phone taken out of their car. You know, they wouldn't get grounded from their cars. They would all have cars and uh, have to have a, a mobile phone, mobile phones are about the size of a shoe or a shoe box back then. <laughs> so, you know, the, the press had to make the whole David and Goliath thing. Uh, but it was a, it, it was a great week. And when we walked into, I, I think, I think we called it Hinklefield House. You, you said in the intro, it, it was it was on the campus at Butler, but Tony Hinkle was around then. I, you could be right. I mean, you're from the Indy area, uh, from Indy. Uh, I just remember walking in. That It was the same as walking into Robert Stadium uh, in Evansville the week before. These were massive places. They were just they were just massive. Uh, it was you know it was it was really it was really special. Uh, the next day, you know, in the in the state finals to play. Um, it was, it was, you know, it was another ball game. Once, once, once the game started, uh, it was, it was just another ball game. And I, I don't know if the players looked at it that way or not, but they were years and years ahead of me in terms of mental maturity. And I can't, I can't imagine those guys being too overwhelmed by playing in Indianapolis against, you know, uh, against, against Carmel.
0: So you know, 15 years later, you know the movie Hoosiers comes out. Did did it bring back a lot of memories? Did you feel like uh, you you almost lived the Hoosier type uh, uh, storyline?
1: Absolutely. The gyms were familiar by that time. You know, we we I played from sixth grade through uh, maybe ninth or tenth grade. I can't remember when we got out of that old gym, but we we still there were some days that the JV would go down there and practice, or the the junior high. Those were the gyms out of Hoosiers. I mean, uh, I, I you know that some of the towns that the, that uh, Hickory played in the movie Hoosiers were towns that we played. We uh, we had just stopped playing Olytic. I think Hickory played Olytic in the movie. Olytic became Bedford North Lawrence because consolidation was still starting. Uh somebody told me that before all the cuts were made that that Lagodi was mentioned someplace in the movie Hoosiers. Um the the writer and director who were two fraternity brothers at IU came to uh Terre Haute um just a couple of years ago and and uh, it was a an evening of of those guys being interviewed. They had a couple of the uh the actors of uh, w- one of the referees and one of the 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 subs on the team they were interviewed and talked about the movie and then they showed the movie. Yeah. It was, it was very much like growing up, the barbershop scene. Uh, that was, that was Bob and Brownie's barbershop. Bob Cox, uh, his daughter was a cheerleader who married Brian Canada. Uh, Brownie, I can't even, his last name was Brown. I can't even remember his first name, but that's where coach butcher got his, his haircut. Every once in a while I'd be in there to get a haircut when Coach Butcher would came, would come in, um, they didn't quite genuflect the Neo, but everything got quiet, uh, and and everybody listened to every word that came out of of, of Coach Butcher's mouth. Um, that was um, it was just it was just like Hoosiers. Uh, so yeah, and uh, there was a movie that came out, an independent film called Kings of the Court. I don't know if you've heard of this one. This was based on uh, Bar Reeves. Um, state championship a a year or two ago it followed the team for a season Uh, even though 50 years had passed nearly 50 years it was still the same experience a small school uh, what it meant to the town where the kids came from Um, yeah it was uh, it was it was quite like it was quite like Hoosiers
0: what was Coach Butcher like to you as a manager? And then the following year, what was Coach Butcher like to you as a coach? And what is Coach Butcher like to you now?
1: Uh, scared of him. Uh, <laughs> he, well, you know, he he was an authority. He was an authority figure. Uh, <laughs> he was quite good at what he did. He was the absolute um, undisputed uh <laughs> leader of 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 the gym of the team uh you you did what he said uh i was you know a a deep sub really never gets the wrath of the coach uh but my friend rex sager uh yeah he, he and coach butcher went around and coach butcher he he had uh hmm i'd say harsh words but you know he had he had he had correction for people and if people had a Uh, a hearing problem or listening problem. He could, he could ratchet the volume up. Uh, He didn't like to say things twice if he, you know, if, if he didn't have to. So uh, I say fear, but I'm going to go, I'm going to say respect uh, underlying all of that. Um, My junior year, you know, a manager, I mean, you were, you were a manager, you're on the team, but you're, you're, you know, you can't, you can't score a point for the team. Although I know you did. As a manager, you need to interview yourself someday. (laughs) Uh, As a manager, uh, he expected us to eliminate any obstacle to uh, that might cause a player distraction. uh, Might uh, uh, you know a good manager is only noticed when they screw up. And when they do things right, everything runs right. And it's all about the team. So, you know, we, we knew what was required of us and, and, uh, and we did it now, but here's, here's my favorite or a couple of my favorite coach butcher stories. When I was a senior and I was, I was back on the team and we were approaching fall break coach butcher told us in no uncertain terms that too many people had been missing practice uh, for college visits. Uh, too many people have been missing practice. And, and when I say missing practice, if you had a starter miss one practice, that was too much. He said the next person who missed practice was going to be off the team. Miss, uh, you know, uh, and I'm sitting on the fact that fall break starts in a couple of days. And my church has, uh, elected me from my youth group to go to Washington, DC and New York over fall break, and I would be missing some several practices. So there are several le- layers to this story. I think today a kid in my place would have gone home and had their parent come in and talk to the coach about it. But that wasn't, that wasn't the way sports were in those days. Sports uh, taught you to think for yourself. And so he just said the next person to miss practices off the team, within 15 minutes there was a break in practice. He went back to his office, and I followed him. I said, Coach, here's my dilemma. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to miss practice, and without a pause, that's fine. That's fine. It's a church related activity. He says, I'm talking about the guys who are who are taking paraphrasing these bogus college trips, who are missing practice for no good reason. He couldn't have been more gracious about that. Awesome. Another coach butcher story. My senior year. Uh, the The custom on senior night is the senior start. We had six seniors. Uh, I had the late, least tenure on the team. Uh, Rex Arvin uh, mentioned earlier a buddy of mine uh, probably did play JV as a junior. It, they did some odd things because of the consolidation. Um, Rex Arvin had played you know it, we had five seniors who had been on the team longer than me, so i didn't start. Uh, this is the one time that I had a parent who was livid. My mother was just she. I felt like I had, was going to have to hold her back from finding the coach. She was so upset that I. Not only did I not get to start, I didn't get to play. Well, the reason I didn't get to play is you can never count on Shoals, your cross town, your cross county rival. We played Shoals the first game of the season. I scored four points. We beat them handily at their place, and when they came to our place later in the season, we, we won narrowly. I didn't expect to play as close as the game was. It didn't bother me at all not starting. I understood that. It didn't bother me at all not playing. It bothered me that my mom was upset. But I tell you all this to, all that to tell you this. Coach caught me in the, in the, uh, in the tunnel outside of the locker room uh, after I was dressed and ready to go, and he apologized. Uh, I believe not for the, not starting, but for not getting to play me on, on senior night, um, that he didn't have to do. That told me that he, he understood, you know, he was following the deep subs as much as he was the starters. Um, and I I really had a lot of respect for him for that. When I went on to play as a walk-on on on the freshman team in college, uh, we had a media day, um, Okay, so a freshman team at a Big 10 school, uh I think one of I think Harry Truman said that being vice president was worth about as much as a warm bucket of spit. And I think a freshman team uh at a Big 10 school in those days it was the same way. And then you take a walk on on that freshman team, uh might have been a cold bucket of spit, all right? So I was, you know, I was on the team which I guess was a big deal, but I know that the varsity and jv coaches coach butcher and coach nante they came to that media day uh watched us uh, fortunately for us that day the freshman beat the varsity in a scrimmage it was fortunate for us that day boy it was tough it was tough the next day we got the tar beat out of us but i i remember talking to the coaches afterwards i said you see you see anybody that you're impressed with and they said you I think I went two for two guards didn't shoot in, in the offense that we ran. So I was used to playing under the basket in high school. And I probably got two tip-ins. I was, I was just impressed that they made the trip to to come and watch somebody who wasn't in the program anymore. Uh, So my memories of coach butcher are, uh, are all positive, a lot of respect for him. And, and uh, uh, I eventually wrote a book, which, you know, they're all gone now. But as I was reading, uh, writing the book, uh, I touched base with him several times, which I, uh, and, and with coach Nante. Uh, and he was, he was helpful in, in the process of, of writing the book. And in looking back at the, 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 at what transpired in the 1970 season, the state final season. And the next year when I played and listening to some of the radio broadcast, Billy, I realized what a genius this guy was. Um, I listened to a game, um, it would have been the sectional semifinal when I was a senior, we'd had a flu outbreak. Uh, we had two starters who didn't even come to the, didn't even come to the gym. Um, coach butcher made some, some moves in that game that were just so counterintuitive. um, in that game we we played five guys for all but forty five seconds. There was one sub that came in for forty five seconds at the end of the game. We were short. you know, you know in the tournament, you win or, or go home. you know we had to win, so he played us all the way i was um I was a liability early in that game. I was getting scored on underneath the basket. My, I think my my the guy I was guarding may have had eight points in the first quarter um You've got just five players. You've got to make them last the whole game. Coach Butcher put on a full-court press the second quarter, and you think, oh, my gosh, you know, he's not going to have enough players to get through this game. The full-court press made the guards pick the ball up farther out. They had to make a, a longer pass into my man, and that longer pass was just enough longer so I could step out and intercept the pass. So if you go superficially, all of a sudden John Olson has a bunch of steals. Now our guards were we were in a good full court press. You know our, our guards were, were doing a number on their guards, but more than that, our coach realized. That's why I say he could see a minute ahead, a quarter ahead, a game ahead, a season ahead. Uh, he was he was just a genius. He was a, a long term planning genius. He was an in game coaching genius. So that's that's. That's the short summary of my experience with with Coach Butcher, also one of the most competitive people. You didn't want to play badminton against this guy. Uh, <laughs> Coach butcher loved he loved to play badminton against people if he he, he was uh, and and I guess one more story I'll tell you from the time I was uh, around the gym and he was, he would sit down beside me from time to time and take his probably middle finger and thumb and grab either side of my leg, my thigh, just above the knee, you know how you can squeeze in there and make a person wince? Yeah. Okay. Uh, He did that from, you know, a couple of times a season. He did it with everybody, I'm assuming. But I just remember that finally, at the end of my senior season, he did that. And I was able to harden my muscles enough that I, I didn't make him, I didn't pull away from him. And that was an interesting, it was almost a rite of passage. It was like, well, gosh, it's, it's really too late to help us, but now you're tough enough.
0: <laughs> John. So what was it? Uh, what was it like, um, you know, at the, you're getting toward the end of your senior se- season uh, What did you want to do with your life? Where did you go to school and and, and tell us about the uh, uh, walk on. And I'm assuming we're talking about Indiana university.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my older sister went to IU, so that was the selection process for going to IU. That, that I was probably uh, let's see, fifth or sixth grade when she went to, to Indiana University. So that was the only place I ever considered. Um, I my senior year in high school, uh, I, I um, took an, an elective course from the the B team coach, uh, Mr. Nante, uh, in psychology, and I knew I wanted to be a psychologist, and I could pursue uh, I could pursue that at, at, at IU that's a, that's a whole other story. I mean, uh, I've had a PhD now for 35 years and private practice, uh, licensed for that amount of time, but going to IU, I thought, well, you go four years and you're a psychologist. I didn't realize there'd be another four or five years of graduate school. So, um, I went to IU, I, I, I went to summer school, uh, before the the regular freshman uh, year that turned out to be critical. Uh, it gave me a couple of extra credits. It got me used to a campus of 30,000, uh, being from a, a town of 2,500. It was nice to see the campus when it had many fewer students. But showing up that summer, being from Lagoti, I think more people called me Ligoti than called me by my name. Because lagoti IU is 50 miles away from Lagoti. Everybody knew Lagoti. Oh, state finalist team, summer state finalist team, uh everybody you know and and I had some confidence from from my senior season i had a uh, i don 't know that this is the 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 interview to talk about this on but i i came in with a lot of confidence playing basketball i played a lot of pickup ball and a lot of um uh intramural ball that summer and played quite well and when the when the freshman season or, or freshman year of school started, i happened by by luck to live on a floor in a dormitory with a guy who had been a walk-on on the freshman team the year before. And he said, you should try You should try out as a walk-on. Now the big 10 in those days, uh well, actually the NCAA, Lou Alcindor or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, he only played three years at UCLA because as a freshman, he wasn't allowed to play varsity either. Kareem and I had some of that, those same drawbacks, Billy, uh, <laughs> So there was a separate freshman team. Uh, It actually was the last year that freshmen were ineligible, but this guy said, well, you should try out. So um, there was about a six-week preseason conditioning um, program uh, before the season started, and, uh, man, I could run. I mean, we would do our calisthenics, and we would do like a half-mile run down to the football stadium, and then we would run sprints on the football turf, And then we would run 104 steps up the bleachers, 25 times. Hey, I was a cross-country runner. I stood out. There was only one guy who did that better than I did, and he didn't do it every time. So, again, I did what I was supposed to. I worked hard. Uh, When we'd finish all that, we'd go back to the gym. Assembly hall wasn't quite open then. It wasn't quite finished. We had a temporary floor. And we scrimmaged. This was all, you know, no coaches. This was all preseason. And we scrimmaged. Well, I never shot. I mean, I wasn't used to being a scorer when I played. I passed. I passed and I rebounded. We had Indiana All-Stars on that freshman team. Steve Green from uh, Silver Creek High School. Uh, we had John Laskowski, who you know we, I mean we, we had some some really good some really good players. So I passed, and if the coaches or the players did talk about what did I do, I tried to play good defense. I passed. I wasn't a ball hog. I was a good teammate. And then the call goes out for walk-ons for the freshman team, you know, for the, for the both teams. Okay. We're going to have walk-ons for the teams. And I was so disappointed all of a sudden it's like 50 guys show up. It didn't do any of the preseason stuff, but 50 guys show up. And wouldn't, you know it, almost all of these guys had been stars on their high school teams. All right. So I put in six weeks being a dutiful soldier, you know, just playing the way that I always played. And here are all these more talented guys. And you might think, well, that's bad, but it turned out to be great for me because these guys who were more talented than me, they showed it by shooting. So they showed up, and when they scrimmaged, they shot. And they shot from out. They took any shot they could get. Um, I'm going to go back, way back to earlier in this interview, and correct the term or define the term. I use the term garbage time. People like to think of garbage time as when your team is up 30 points and you get in, it's a chance to foul and get your name in the paper or shoot. For me, there's never been such a thing as garbage time. When you go in, you do what you're supposed to be doing. If you were playing and it was a tie game. All right. That's the way I always played. That's the way I played in, in the preseason. And when the walk-on showed up, that's the way I played. And these more talented walk-ons, I believe shot their way off the team. We had good players you know scholarship players we had guys who played underneath and uh this was all you know bob knight was a first year coach there uh we had our own freshman coach but he was one of bob knight's i think uh high school friends uh bob knight did not have an offense where the guards shot in fact david shepherd who was on the carmel team that beat lagodi in the state finals was mr basketball was a 38 point a game high school scorer uh was leading scorer on the freshman team when he was a sophomore for Bob Knight, he got injured and then he got transferred. Uh, so all these guys showing up, shot their way off the team. And the coaches came to me and said, well, uh, you've made the team, but you're really not going to get much playing time. Again, you might think a person would be disappointed, but what was my position in high school? For the most part, it was, you're going to play hard in practice, but you're not going to get much playing time, but you're going to get to be on the team. So, it was a great experience we traveled you know we played uh you know we played purdue and illinois and we played uh i think 14 games i can remember playing i can remember playing xavier in cincinnati the freshman game was xavier and iu the varsity game was xavier and the university of detroit uh and in those days afros were were the hairstyle for for black players and the guys coming up from the University of Detroit had afros that I swear touched both sides of the narrow hallway they were coming up. <laughs> it was about, you know, about a three-foot-wide hallway. And and I believe, and nobody knew this, uh, as he called himself, uh, a bald, one-eyed motor mouth. I believe Dick Vital was the coach of that, that team. But nobody <laughs> knew him. Nobody knew him then. So we got uh, probably the highlight of that freshman season was we played University of Kentucky, uh, I don't know where, remember whether it was in Lexington or Louisville, we played the University of Kentucky. Our freshman team uh, played their freshman team first. They had the Mr. Basketball from Kentucky, Indiana, and either Ohio and Illinois, or Illinois. They had uh, uh, three Mr. Basketballs and maybe another four high school All-Americans, and they killed us. Uh, oddly, four years later when uh, that freshman team that was the 1974 73 74 no 74 75 IU team was beaten by that same group of guys in the regional uh, final the, the next year IU went on to be undefeated national champs but so we ran into those guys again but the varsity game the nice thing about the freshman team we sat in in folding chairs underneath one of the baskets for the varsity game and I believe Steve Downing had something in the neighborhood of 40 40 points and 25 rebounds, and IU upset Kentucky at Kentucky. So I got to be in a great program, Um, and more to the point, I wanted to be a psychologist. Bob Knight always said in basketball, but I would maintain in anything, the mental is to the physical as four is to one or five is – it's much more – mental than anything else. Right. Uh he talked he talked about achieving your potential and there was no way I wasn't going to go on to get my PhD and be a psychologist after playing for coach Butcher and 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 coach Knight. It just um however long it takes and however you have to do it, you know, you 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 accomplish what you want to accomplish. Uh I I talk about it as force of will. I tell people you know, when you're told no, sometimes a person telling you no doesn't have the authority to tell you yes, or they're telling you no, not at this time. But I think through force of will, you can accomplish just about anything. And that is what I took from high school basketball. I have often said, I benefit more from high school basketball in comparison to what I contributed to it. I benefit more than I think anybody else in history because it taught me a mindset. It taught me understanding people. It taught me motivating, dealing with disappointment, minimizing your weaknesses, accentuating your strengths, uh, mental discipline. Um, and, and just to get on a soapbox, part of the reason I wrote a book was my dismay at adult involvement in kids' sports. Adults doing, this, you know, to, I, I don't think that Coach Butcher ever really yelled at, at uh, our guards as they were bringing the ball up court. Uh, I didn't yell at them every play to tell them what to think. And Coach Knight was famous for never calling a timeout in a close situation with a few seconds left when you know more vain coaches call a timeout and drop a special play. Coach Knight's belief was, we've covered everything mentally in practice that you need to know it's we're going to have to inbound the ball again. If I call a timeout, uh, it's not a good time to teach, you know, in in this situation. And that's what those guys taught me is, is to, to think for yourself. I, I just, um, I'm doing this interview from my truck outside of high school. I just spent a half an hour with a student I'm mentoring. And part of what I'm doing with him goes back to those coaches. I'm getting him to understand how much he is thinking for himself uh, and the benefits of thinking for himself and more ways he can think for himself and control his his own life instead of resenting possibly parents and, and adults controlling his life. That's what I got from those, those coaches. And so I
0: apologize, you are Dr. Olson.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I got that for me. I actually got it for a couple people. To be a psychologist in Indiana... Uh, at private practice letter level, excuse me, you have to have your PhD. So that was, that was part of it. The other reason that I got a PhD is I've, I found myself, myself in certain situations where that just impressed the heck out of some people. If I was just John Olson, it wouldn't really impress them much, but that I'm Dr. Olson, I've got people who use my title more than I do, who will, will only introduce me as this is Dr. Olson, this, that, and the other. So, you know, it's 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 useful in those situations, but uh, it was just a, a necessary requirement to uh, being what I wanted to be. And, and because of those coaches and fulfilling my potential, uh, I've been able to work 35 years at a job that I love. Uh, I've had a lot of say in what I could do, uh, i 've made good money at it uh, it's it 's uh, and you know to me, this is a psychologist talking. High school sports are a microcosm of the world. A microcosm means small world. High school sports to me are set up to present all of the opportunities and challenges that you 'll get throughout your life and if adults would leave kids the heck alone and let them sort out their squabbles, you know, shoot free throws and whoever hits the most, they get the ball out or, you know, argue or whatever it happens to be, you know, draft or pick their own teams for pickup ball. If adults would stay out of the way, kids would learn how to deal with the sports world and be much more ready for the real world. Uh, I think one of the problems with starting, starting sports so very early is you have um, you have, you have too many adults involved with too much of the mental aspect for the kids. Again, here's the psychologist in me looking at a soccer practice when kids are, you know, under the age of eight. And you know what that looks like. You've got a ball and you've got 12 kids within three feet of it all kicking. And then you've got an adult saying, you guys, don't you understand spacing? And the psychologist in me wanna say, wants to say, no. They're cognitively incapable of understanding space spacing. They're egocentric. They can't take another person's perspective and it won't be until they're eight or nine that they'll understand spacing. All right. So another one that, that is not coach Knight's fault, but coach Knight had what people like to call a fiery personality. He was a genius. He was a basketball genius. He taught us things and showed us things in practice that nobody else seemed to understand. What people recognized more was his temper, his yelling. And so you had generations of coaches who started yelling at kindergartners and and yelling all the way through and throwing temper tantrums. And and I'm I'm not apologizing for the coach. His behavior was, was out of control at times. And the way he tried to make a point, he could have made his points better. But you ended up having people emulating him who didn't understand how smart he was, didn't understand the mental aspects of the game, just understood, well, we can motivate them by yelling at them and so on and so forth. And, and, um, ruin, ruined the sport for a lot of kids. And then there was a backlash where parents felt their kids were being verbally abused and they had to get involved. And, and now I just see that there are a lot of kids who, um, uh, who would never be satisfied being a deep sub and not playing. They'd have a parent at home griping like crazy and, my dad was reading a book or fishing, and my mom was just enjoying that I was on the team. So it's a it's a different game in that respect. Uh, but like I said, I I think I got more out of basketball for having contributed less than than anybody that that I know.
0: You know, for the past one hour and seven minutes, I feel like I've been on your couch. This has been an amazing interview, and I thank you for your time.
1: Hey, if you ever want to do a follow up, there's there's more. You know, I mean the, the senior season itself. Uh, which is kind of what I, I, the, the book was written about growing up in a small town. Um, but the, 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 senior season itself was about, about perseverance, uh, and sticking with things anyway, it's, uh, I, I haven't been watching the clock. I'm, I'm famous for, for saying, <laughs> uh, I've just got one more story. In fact, I, I did a, a short article for the, uh, I had this distinction, Billy. I don't have it anymore, but at one time I was the only person in state history to play in the programs of the all-time winningest high school coach
0: Wow! Yep.
1: and the winningest college coach. Now, yep. Coach Butcher's recently been surpassed by J.R. Holmes at Bloomington South High School, but I walked into the high school uh, basketball hall of fame in Newcastle one day, told the receptionist, asked her if she knew the answer to that trivia question, uh, you'd think it would be somebody famous. Uh, but it was me, and before I left the uh the um director of the Hall of Fame called me in. We told stories I ended up writing a uh, an article for their magazine, and I believe the title of the the, the article was just one more story because i'd tell just one more he'd have just one more um so when I wrote my book, I dictated it uh I I can't write as fast as I can think or talk. And people said, well, just kind of what you said, you know, it's just like having a conversation with you. So I've, I've, I've appreciated it. I've got to say for a guy, uh, who has no more basketball credentials than me. I've talked at basketball banquets. I've written a book. I've, I've, I've been in newspaper articles. Now this, this, uh, this, this radio interview, it's amazing to me how much people in general People in Indiana especially value every aspect, no matter how seemingly small, of Indiana high school basketball.